The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the 8th chapter. Then Jesus and his disciples arrived at the country of the Gerizines, which is opposite Galilee. As Jesus stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. The demons begged Jesus not to order them to go into the abyss. Now there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swineherds saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had possessed, been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerizines asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with Jesus. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So the man went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. The Gospel of the Lord. In one very common way of hearing Scripture, we, the listeners, are asked, Where do you see yourself in the story? Sometimes the answer is easy, but in many cases it's hard because we just don't want to see ourselves in any of the characters in a story. Take, for example, the man in our gospel story today who comes out to meet Jesus when he gets out of the boat in the country of the Gerizines. For a long time, Luke says, he had worn no clothes and he did not live in a house but in the tombs. Often the townspeople kept him under guard and bound him with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by a demon into the wilds. I wonder how many of us would dare to see ourselves in him. To be honest, he reminds us of people we've seen on the margins of society. People who have been forced to live in deplorable conditions because of forces that have taken over their lives. So in the case of this gospel story, it might be easier to see ourselves in the townspeople 
who try their best to create a safe distance between their world and the world of this outsider. And at first they seem like just very reasonable people. In the person possessed by demons, they identify a real threat to the safety of their community. You would assume then that if that person were restored to his right mind and healed of all of that and be at peace, that they too would be happy and that they would rejoice. But as Luke reports, that just was not the case. Instead, Luke says, when they saw the man sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, they were seized with fear and they begged Jesus to leave. When I hear that, I have to say that my association with these town people gets a little uncomfortable. In essence, it seems like the townspeople needed this person to remain in the state that he was in in order to preserve something that they had carefully constructed. In that sense, maybe this demoniac was that town's much-needed scapegoat who would always draw attention away from the real source of their brokenness. In families, we often call this person the problem child, or in the language of family systems, the designated patient, who always makes everyone else feel a little bit better about themselves, and who gives them, other siblings and family, a way of explaining why things are the way they are in this family. As I reflected on that a few days ago, I saw on my calendar that it was World Refugee Day. It was a sobering reminder of how refugees have often been victimized by this mindset, how they're often blamed for a multitude of problems that existed long before they came. The news of that day included an article about a city in the United States where people are mobilizing resistance to the settlement of refugees from Muslim countries. And as if it were taken straight from this gospel story that we just heard, they had sponsored a large billboard in their town which asked, is resettling Islamists evil or insane? The idea behind it, of course, is that the real threat to the well-being of our communities is always on the outside and not within. The news story included several quotes from people who are participating in movements to stop the resettlement of refugees in their hometowns. And like the townspeople in our gospel story, they are seized by fear. And they wish that agencies like Catholic Charities and Lutheran Community Services would leave town in the way that those people wanted Jesus to leave. I have to admit that I started turning these people into my own scapegoats as I read their comments. I could easily see how they are possessed by forces like racism and Islamophobia. And in a twisted way, it did make me feel better about myself. I guess none of us are free from that tendency 
until Jesus casts out the evil in all of us and restores us to our true selves. And if I start to accept that, then I can also start to see myself in this man who lived in the tombs. But here's a warning. Everyone who goes down that path has to ask, what are my demons? What are the ungodly forces that possess me and bind me? And it takes courage to do that. And it takes trust in the promise that God can heal me and restore me to my right mind. Some years ago, I read excerpts from Mother Teresa's book called Come Be My Light. I saw in that book what that courage and what that trust look like. Every picture that I had seen of Mother Teresa showed her smiling. And every quote that I had read of hers had been a positive expression of faith. So I was surprised when she wrote, My cheerfulness is a cloak by which I cover the emptiness and misery. I deceive people with this weapon, she said. There is so much contradiction in my soul, I find no words to express the depth of the darkness. My heart is so empty, so full of darkness. I don't pray any longer, she says. The work holds no joy, no attraction, no zeal. I'm not making that up. You can order the book and read Mother Teresa's own words. And if she can put it out there for the whole world to read, then you and I can have the courage and the trust to name our demons instead of letting them name us and define us. If I were to name what demons are in the broadest sense, I would say that they are all of those forces that separate us from God and from each other and from the wholeness and the well-being that God wills for all creation. That is at the heart of what I think this story is about because those demons are legion. They are many. And they are like those Roman legions that possessed the land and the people of Palestine in Jesus' time because they are exceptionally strong. We may not want to admit it, but our demons are actually much stronger than we are on our own. And that's why they always win if we try to fight them on our own. That's the bad news that has to be acknowledged today. The good news, which flows out of every New Testament story about demons, is that God's power is ultimately stronger than all of them together. I know that may sound like a cliché that you've heard repeated over and over again but it is actually the most life-giving promise that you and I will ever hear. So let's pause for a moment and tune out all of those voices within which say that this is just a strange story 
about a way of understanding reality that we have grown beyond in our well-educated and enlightened minds. And then in the space that God opens up there, let us ask in honesty and in humility, what is there in me that separates me from God and from other people and from the essence of who I am as a pearl as a person created by God and of God? Is it pride or arrogance or the need to be right? Is it a feeling of superiority in me over people who don't look like me or think or act or speak like me? Is it self-righteousness wrapped in a liberal or conservative bias? or in a holier-than-thou attitude towards people who don't believe what I believe? On the other hand, maybe is it self-abasement or self-doubt? Is it a feeling of inferiority within me or a fear that I will never be enough? Is it a pervasive feeling of hopelessness or an unshakable fear related to the circumstances of my life or of the world around me right now? Is it a constant anxiety or guilt that won't go away or shame? Those are all very powerful demons. Or maybe perhaps it is a spirit of denial within me that says, I'm not addicted. I'm not racist. I'm not privileged. I'm not overly consumptive. I'm not selfishly protective of the comfortable place I inhabit. I'm not envious or bitter or resentful. In all of these cases, and a whole legion of others, we are bound by demons that cause us to walk among the tombs instead of dwelling together at the feet of Jesus. I wish this gospel story had a happy ending for all of the characters. We rejoice at the transformation that takes place for the man who was healed, but we are left with a sadness for all of the others. We wonder, will they ever be changed as he was? For me, Jesus holds out hope when he sends the healed man back to his hometown instead of allowing him to leave them all behind. It seems like a clear message to all of us that this story is not finished. With Jesus, there is always hope that communion with God and with our neighbor and with our true selves can be beautifully and miraculously restored. It is not within any of us to do that on our own, except when God's power flows in us and through us, as it must have done for that man who was healed by Jesus and set free. So may he be the one, then, in whom we see our past, our present, and above all, our future as God's beloved.
Thanks be to God. Amen.